Welcome to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon. And today we watched what we're calling a Chevrolet for Cinderella, but this is actually two separate animated shorts, one called uh, A Coach for Cinderella from 1936, and the second one called A Ride from Cinderella from 1937, but they're two parts of the same story, and this is basically the car commercial Cinderella. Yeah, it's sure literally. Is. Yeah. We, we were genuinely just going to do the first one and then the second one as two separate episodes, but the story literally splits down the middle, and I can't imagine waiting a whole year for the second half of a 20-minute commercial. So <laughs> it was bizarre. So we had to do it all at once for you guys. We did this for you. It took yeah. us two hours to get through this 18 minutes of combined film. In my defense, I was <laughs> taking excruciatingly detailed notes because so many things were happening. And it's a good thing that I did because, dear listeners, we originally watched this uh, two weeks previously instead of moments previously, like yeah. usually happens when we record. <laughs> and uh, I have been forbidden from watching it again prior to recording because the reason that there was a two-week gap is that last time I watched this, I literally had a seizure. Yeah. And recording was cut short right down the middle for a trip to the ER. Everything's fine. I feel almost completely okay other than the lingering terror of it happening again yeah. uh, right now as we record. <laughs> yeah, so we're both having some existential terror on this call, but everything's fine. We are going to recommend that nobody watch this just in case anybody else has a seizure. So don't watch this. There are no flashing lights. You probably could watch it. But also, I don't know, just be safe. Just be safe. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Don't, don't watch bad car commercials from the 30s. Yeah. Uh, just a general rule. Okay. So, again, as Talon just said, normally we watch this and then immediately record. This is two weeks ago. So, it's a good thing that we took really extensive notes because we are going to go on a journey together. Oh my God. Yes, we are. So, uh, buckle up, everybody. Oh, because it's a car commercial. Yikes. Okay. So we open on a theme song. <laughs> we open on a title card that says right away, Chevrolet Motor Division, General Motor Sales Corporation, presents a coach for Cinderella. They are not subtle about this. This is literally a car commercial about a car, and there happens to be Cinderella in it. And they just really want to be clear about what's about to happen to you. And, and so do we. Mm -hmm. With that information, we then hear a chorus sing, Here's a theme that never grows old, always dear to young and old, the sweetest story ever told, a coach for Cinderella. And we are immediately introduced to our redheaded stepsister. She's a Chucky doll. I posit that this is equally likely to be the evil stepmother because... It's never clarified. You're not wrong, but when we've seen older Cinderella's, there are often two stepsisters and her and not a mother. We've seen several older Cinderella's where there's just not a mother in the picture and there's just two mean stepsisters. So can you imagine that living situation where there's just three adults that and two of them hate the other? 
Yes. And there's no parental pressure to live there. Oh, you have a very far away look on your face. Sorry about that. <laughs> I have had some interesting living situations. Anyways, moving on. Angry redheaded Chucky face doll stepsister with very angry eyebrows is in front of a mirror. And we are looking at her as though we were the mirror. It's very concerning. She draws on these incredibly strong, angry eyebrows with like a stencil. stencil. Yeah. Yeah. And she's wearing a clamshell bra. But guys, guys, you're you're picturing two clamshells, which is not what is there. It's one big clamshell just sort of around her boobs. Like a mono boob situation. Yeah. And then we see an elf on the shelf. No, we don't. We see a little gnome tackling. Yeah. My note says elf on a shelf. He is on a shelf and he's very small. Yeah. So he's laughing at her because she's screwed up her hair by sneezing as she powders her face or something. Her hair is in a mullet type deal. It's very weird. It looks kind of like like a the head of a poodle. Yes. The ears were also hair. Very much so, yes. So she, she puts on too much powder and she sneezes and messes up her hair and she tries to fix it, but then she puts on too much perfume and it also manages to screw up her hair somehow. At which point, both sisters scream for Cinderella. And we see Cinderella for the first time and she is tightening up the corset of a dark-haired stepsister and she, without tying a knot, runs away to help the red-headed sister and the corset comedically comes undone. My entire note for the scene is like all the normal stuff with the corset and then just in all caps, legs. Yeah. Because Cinderella... She's like a tiny little waif with two blonde braids mm-hmm. and just legs that are roughly three times the size of the rest of her. Yeah. And then she runs on them like she's a deer that's only just learned how to walk, but yes. is also in a ballet featuring only her. That is the most perfect description. I'm not even going to add anything. I, I know it sounds confusing, but just picture both of those things at the same time. And that's literally what was happening on the screen. Just a lot of cultish leg waving and then freezing with pointed toes in a very like dramatic pose. Yes. She is about half the height of the stepsisters, by the way, but she's not proportioned like a child the way we normally see. Oh, no. Because she is, as Talon very accurately mentioned, 98% legs. Not, not sexy legs, just a lot of them. Um, not many, but copious. But- Yes. So Cinderella keeps running back and forth between the sisters. She can't actually help either of them because the second she gets to one, the second one calls her and she runs back to the first and just, it would be funny if Yakety Sacks were playing in the background, but it's not. We just have a cackling gnome with a tiny girl child's voice. Uh, The gnome is watching this like it's a tennis match and we spend a lot of time just looking at him moving his head back and forth. Mm -hmm. He looks like Santa, by the way. He's got like a beard and just a little hat he's a he's a weird looking character i mean (laughs) so he doesn't have a mustache he has kind of like just an abraham lincoln beard but white and he's a tiny little man smaller than the candle that's next next to him on the shelf Mm -hmm. so we go from comedy to horror pretty fast 
the dark-haired stepsister, tired of waiting for Cinderella to come and wait on her, enters the room and Cinderella accidentally steps on her skirt and rips it. And Cinderella freezes, again, very doe-like, and just cowers against the wall as the stepsisters raise their hands. Mm-hmm. And we cut to the gnome watching just open-mouthed in horror. And we get the sounds of a very severe beating happening. Lots of punching sounds. Yep. With the gnome flinching at every single hitting sound. Mm-hmm. And the stepsister is going, take that and that in the background. Yeah. The gnome puts his hands on his hips and we hear Cinderella crying. And then we cut to Cinderella lying down on the floor on a rug. Not curled up in fetal position like she's just had the tar kicked out of her. Just looking like a nap, but very waif-like. And I want to emphasize, very minimally drawn. Very few lines are used to draw this character right now in this moment. Uh, The stepsisters, meanwhile, get into a golden carriage. And a little round bald man announces, to the ball. Uh, And I guess they're going to the ball. We did not get any information about the ball until this moment, but I'm sure none of you are surprised that there is, in fact, a ball. There's a weird interaction between the coachman and the little round bald servant. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because the coachman goes, okay, toots. And... Like, in a really deep voice, though. Like, okay, toots. It was the funniest. It was very strange. He also winks. He also winks. Yes. And then, like, the the little round bald servant goes, hmm, in a very, like, outraged, scandalized kind of way. And I think eventually they are going to make out, but we don't see it happen. Yeah. That's unfortunate. We go back inside, and the gnome is taking down Cinderella's measurements while she is collapsed on the floor. Cinderella's a backdrop now. She is fully drawn in a very different style. She is now just sort of illustrated as opposed to very lightly animated. She looks she's compl- literally a painting in the background. She's just not like the gnome is running around in the foreground, mm-hmm. but you don't get any sense that there's any sense of like dimension or perspective nope. or anything like that. Nope. And I guess Cinderella is asleep now and her eyes are closed and she's vaguely smiling. Yeah, you know, like you do when you just had a beating. Anyways, the gnome is taking down her measurements. You have these numbers, right? I do have these numbers. So he writes down in a little notebook that her hips are size 36, presumably inches, and her waist is size 26. And I went on some random like Google search to find what this means. And according to the Click Americana site, which I don't know how great of a reference that is, but that's where I found it. Uh, in the 1930s, the ideal woman had a 34-inch bust, a 24-inch waist, and 34-inch hips. Uh, so what this means is that Cinderella is, like, curvier than the ideal woman, which is baffling because she has all of the curves of a matchstick and is a tiny, tiny woman. Yeah. Those numbers are concerning. The gnome runs off, but then runs back and measures her feet. And then my note just says, gnome rides Jiminy Cricket to somewhere? Fantasia. We're in Mushroom Land now. 
Well, the key thing that you've missed there is that after he measures her feet, he runs off into the darkness and they just stop drawing a background in this moment. He's just, it's just the gnome with just pure darkness behind him. And then he finds a cricket who has white shoes and mm-hmm. he rides it like a horse. Mm-hmm. Also in the complete darkness. Yep. We do get the William Tell Overture right now. Yes. Which is wonderful. Uh, there was a lot of classical music in the background of this because the 30s were awesome at just including music that people would know that had meaning. And I loved it. I thought it was a hoot. I have never seen a tiny gnome riding a cricket to the William Tell Overture before. Uh, And it just like filled something in my heart that was missing. And I feel like a more complete person. Yeah. It was just right. It felt right. It was. It was good. It was good. So he blows on a horn and he, the, the dark crushing void of space lifts. And there's a bunch of little mushrooms with little doors in them. And lots of other little gnomes come out. And uh, our main gnome jumps onto a, a large mushroom, I guess, and begins to recite poetry. In a child voice. Oh, yeah. Please remember that he has a beard, but he talks like a tiny little boy in, like, in rhyme. Like a toddler, like a toddler. So whatever you're envisioning, if it isn't a toddler, you're not doing it right. It's a toddler's voice. So he goes, when our countryside lay deep in snow and the angry wind would howl and blow and the food in our pantry was running low, who helped us then? Please, our woe. And the crowd responds, Cinderella, we should know. And, and then he continues. And we have to do the whole thing, guys. I'm so sorry. Now listen, men. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> now listen, men. She needs us now. The prince has asked her to his ball. Ball and now do not rhyme. It's also news to us. We've never seen a scene in which Cinderella either receives an invitation to a ball or expresses any interest or knowledge of a ball. This is the first time a prince has been referenced. Uh, sorry, so our chief gnome continues, but she can't make a courtly bow because she has no coach at all. And they all say, no coach at all. And he says, no coach at all. And he shakes his head very sadly and sniffles and wipes his nose and two tears just pour down his cheeks because Cinderella does not have transportation. They are, all of the gnomes, by the way, are wearing literal Santa outfits. And our main gnome is very facially animated, but in a horrible way. So he looks kind of frog-like, just, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty awful. And he continues, I'm not going to do the voice. I don't love you guys that much. He goes, to make her happiness complete, we'll make her a gown of silver strand with crystal slippers for her feet and the finest coach in all the land. And he goes, are you with me? And one little person who is not having a beard the only non-bearded gnome runs out and goes no yes he looks like dopey from oh my god what is it snow white snow white thank you but he's voiced by like a middle-aged woman that's what i have in my notes at that point my ears were kind of buzzing with just the vibration of the chief gnome's voice 
and I lost all ability to notice anybody else's voice. That's fair. So our main gnome goes, be off my men, and they get to it. Yeah. So a bunch of birds decide to make a mannequin out of a tree, and they do so by, like, using their beaks like a saw. So we just get circular saw noises. Mm -hmm. So then we see two spiders with, like, really long arms and white gloves on weaving a web, and one of them goes, I suppose you've heard about that hussy Mrs. Web spider. And the other one responds, no, but I'm listening. <laughs> well, far be it for me to gossip, but it seems that only last night, Mr. Web Spider. And then it just evolves into like whispers and it goes pss, 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 and they giggle. And then one of them goes, no. And the other one goes, yes. We are going to talk about that in the after party. Come join us. It's going to be fun. Everyone, please submit us your best theories on what it is that Mr. Web Spider has done. Yes, we want to know the spider gossip. Unfortunately, we don't get that answer because we have to cut to elves who are using a pipe, like a, like a Bilbo Baggins old school pipe to make the frame of a car. They're using the pipe as like a bellows. Yeah, no, yep. that's very accurate. It, okay. It's basically like a furnace and they heat up a nail and then a woodpecker drills some screws into a wooden frame and some gnomes carry a pumpkin, and a worm goes into an apple house. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. This is amazing. So <laughs> a fuzzy worm goes into an apple house, and there is a worm on the stem of the apple, and the worm on top of the apple comes down to be on, like, the spinny sign to make the spinny barbershop, red and white spinny thing for barbershops, and the apple barbershop person is going to shave the fuzzy little inchworms and they're playing La Donna Mobile during this part which is from Figaro where it's about him being the best barber in town and everyone wants to come to him for their haircuts so I personally enjoy that inside joke very much I loved it but also to really get the full picture uh the little barber that lives inside the apple is a little Italian barber and he just looks like a little human, but he's got antennas. So I don't know if he's a woodland creature or just a very small Italian man. Uh, so, yeah, he's a little Italian guy and he has a very traditional Italian accent. Like, what's the matter with you? You have to work. It's, it's funny. So most of this is the construction of the car, it turns out. At this point, we're three minutes into this and realize, oh, this is just going to be the car. We don't, nothing's going to happen. It's not possible. So I mean, this is again a car commercial. So the little fuzzy inchworm that crawls in gets a haircut and crawls out much less fluffy and then curls into a wheel and the flower is inserted into its center. And then the live worm is attached to the wood frame of a coach. And I guess haircut plus inchworm equals wheel. And then we get three more of those. Mm -hmm. Yes. The elves pogo stick themselves over to the car to put on the front side of wheels. And a tiny elf tries to budge a sleeping turtle using his tail to ratchet it up like a, what are those things called? Like a car jack? Yes, like a car jack. So he uses the um, turtle's tail like a car jack. This is, this is the dopey looking one. Yeah. He also has something in his hand and it's like red and kind of lumpy. And while I was watching this, I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. And then after the turtle is cranked up off the ground, he puts the red thing underneath the turtle and then he lights it and it turns out it was dynamite. 
Yeah, and it blows the turtle out of its shell, which, naked. Uh, well, it's so much worse than that, because uh, Garth, my husband, loves turtles, and has explained to me in excruciating detail what the turtle shell is. Oh, no. Uh, the turtle shell is its ribcage. Oh, no. Turtles just have ribcages on the outside of them instead of on the inside. So I don't, I don't like where this is going. Me neither, so I was upset about that. Anyways. So the shell lands on top of the pumpkin coach and the child elf little thing falls over. My notes in all caps say, where does the turtle go? It just runs off. It runs off in the opposite direction because it's startled. And, and it looks fine. It just looks like a naked turtle without a shell. But now that's that I know that, that that's not how that works, I... Yep. Um, yeah, that's not how turtles work. They're not like hermit crabs. Um, Anyways. So, just so that you know, Talon, what my note actually says is, where the does turtle go? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was typing fast. My notes say in all caps, oh, it's dynamite. Big pop, naked turtle, runs away. Turtle <laughs> shell flies off, lands on carriage. Gnomes cheer, yay. <laughs> all right. And so from there, we have to move on to the engine. I think fireflies are the firing pistons. I think that's what's happening. I think the mice are running and it makes propulsion happen because the fireflies are in the car's headlights. Oh, I guess that would make sense for Cinderella then if those were mice. Cool. That helps. So it doesn't help with like size because all the sizes of this are totally messed up then, but whatever. So they roll the car over some pea pods to make the wheel wells. And then they play the flight of the bumblebees. And a bee wasp thing of some kind shows up and starts to drain the color from a black flower. And it's clear now, and now the flower has a little bell tower in it. And then we go back to the dress. So it was filmed like it was filling up at a gas station. And I was like, oh, this car's going to run on flower pollen. Uh, No, they use it to paint the car black. Yes. Which is still, by the way, a pumpkin on some sticks with a turtle shell on top of it. And flower wheels with... And flower wheels. And shaved worms, Talon. Don't be silly. I'm sorry. We're going back to the dress now because I think they thought we were going to be bored with all the car shenanigans. And they were so, right. So the birds fly over a completely shapeless slip. It's, it's just a slip to the mannequin. <laughs> My notes say the dress is done, I guess, question mark. It's a sleeveless blue dress. Wow. It's a sleeveless blue square. It doesn't have any shape. But they put it on the mannequin and suddenly it's a shaped gown and it's like an A-frame cut on the bias, whatever. It's still ugly. It's blue. It has, yeah, has a very high V-neck, no sleeves. And the birds tie a ribbon around the waist and a butterfly perches on the bodice to make, you know, a bodice decoration. But here's the thing. It doesn't perch at the cleavage point where you would think you would have a decoration or at the waist where you'd have like a bow. no. The butterfly perches right at the collarbone. So you have this comical bow tie effect on a blue slip. And it's massive. It's it's the size, it spans the entire width of the dress. It's bonkers. I will say that as big as the butterfly is on the dress, the proportions continue to be very confusing because the dress looks fairly proportional to the birds. And the gnomes. Yeah. It will fit Cinderella somehow. 
Yeah, and the car is like small. Like it's small. It's the it size, looks proportional to the nose. It's the size of a really fat hamster. Maybe yeah. a what are those things? They're not gremlins. <laughs> guinea pigs? Yes, guinea pigs. Thank you for knowing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say gerbils and I knew it wasn't gerbil, and the next best thing my mind could come up with was gremlin. No follow-up questions for that. So we go back to the car now, because we need to know how the car finishes. And the headlights are fireflies. And then the mice push it into something that's labeled modernizer. Guys, the modernizer is a big cylinder with lots of pressure valves. And it looks like a vacuum chamber. If anybody's ever seen some of the like big science-y NASA vacuum chambers, it looks like that. But with way more steampunk. And it gets pushed in and valves are moving and steam is coming out. And something walks out. I don't know what this thing is. And says, thanks, 47. How am I doing? And a calcifer-like lick of flame flicks him on the butt. Okay, so what you actually witnessed is the dumb gnome, the dopey one. Oh. He walks out playing paddle ball. He's got like a paddle and a ball and a string and he goes 46, 47, because he's counting. He's oh. like, how am I doing? And then a weird flame monster pops out of the modernizer machine. And it's just like a giant red hand made with flames. And it nudges him away, flicks him, and then closes the door behind itself. Um, that is, I guess that makes more sense than what I thought happened. but. But not by much. But only fractionally, yeah. And then we just spend a lot of time looking at the modernizer machine from the outside, and it's very, like, menacing. There's just a lot of, like, weird sounds coming from it, and there's a whistle and gauges and a lever, Yeah, and we just keep looking at it. It's the sort of thing where if something in your house started to make those sounds, you would turn it off. You'd go, oh, this is, this is not not working i'm gonna gonna turn this off before it explodes or catches fire but no it's not an it's not a good mechanical sound it is the sound of something going poorly yeah my notes just end there with her waking up do we actually see the the thing so something does appear to start coming out of the modernizer machine but it comes out behind a giant red curtain so we don't see it at all like Ah. they placed a barrier right at the exit of the chamber And then we get like this dreamy music transition and we're back in at Cinderella's house who gets up from lying on the floor and she's already wearing the dress. And yes, the butterfly is still there. And it's still hideous. I thought it looked bad on the mannequin. It looks worse on her. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, The butterfly is now roughly the size of Cinderella's head. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And she just sort of dreamily walks out of the door and there's a Chevrolet in the driveway in front of her house. Okay, no, you, you missed the whole bunch. Okay, I'm sure I did. I have, like, paragraphs. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> okay, so Cinderella's hair is also in, like, an updo. And she looks down at herself and picks up her skirt a little bit, but she doesn't look like that surprised or anything. And then the gnome appears and kind of beckons her off screen. And now she's very surprised, and her mouth opens in this really happy smile, 
and she brings her hands up in surprise and we're just looking at her reacting to something but we don't see what and her eyes like crinkle in happiness and there's a big green curtain and a bunch of gnomes with trumpets or something and the curtain comes up and it's just like a 30s car like it's a very normal regular black chevrolet and the bald round servant guy from before is holding the door open and now there's a chauffeur sitting at the wheel who is he who's the chauffeur did he come with the car was he part of the modernizer did an elf gnome person actually get stuck in the machine and this is what happens sure that's that's completely possible. By and the way, of gnomes just find a man on the street and we're like, hello, we have a job for you. Here's 50 bucks. Drive a girl to a dance. Well, she drives herself home later, we find out. So they clearly didn't rent him for the entire night. No. My notes just say, and we're dot, 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 done, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. And because we watched this on YouTube, we immediately get a commercial. And I got a Volkswagen ad. <laughs> and it made me real happy. So that's where part one ends. Part one is just finishes with her literally walking towards her car. Okay. It ends with the song from the beginning, but it's like, now we present in full array the coach for Cinderella. And then it says the coach for Cinderella again, but it's like really big, like the coach for Cinderella but like musical and not like I just did it. That was phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, and then it zooms in on the hood of the car and then it fades to black and then a blue screen with a big spinning car wheel zooming in appears and the wheel stops spinning and it zooms in on the center where it is the Chevrolet symbol. And then it fades to black again and then we're done. Yeah, so... Talon took much better notes than me. My notes are much more brief. Talon took <laughs> notes for roughly three times longer than Love did because of a compulsive and anxious nature. Uh, because of a thorough and abiding care for our beloved listeners that I clearly lack. Listen, if I really had the best interests of the listeners in mind, I would have taken fewer notes. And we would be done with this monstrosity and everyone can just move on with their lives. But instead, we now get to do an entire second part of this. Yep. This is A Ride for Cinderella, published a whole year later. So imagine that you wanted to know what happened next. For some reason. For some reason. And you were curious. And I'll tell you, uh, that first one, a lot of car shenanigans. But given that it was a car ad, I suppose that's not unsurprising. The second one... A little bit more surprising. A little bit more of a game changer, in my opinion. So we open on a castle. And we see the gnome and the horse cricket from previously. And they're dancing together. And we see a Prince Charming sign. And lots of fancy people at the ball. And the band is all in purple. But like old-timey page outfits, but purple. And they start accidentally playing jazz. And someone accidentally fires his bow from the harp and disrupts the party. So the announcer announces the prince, who is the most flamboyant prince we have ever seen. Oh boy. And we see the stepsisters, who look completely different. There is still a red-haired one and a dark-haired one, but they are not remotely voiced the same or drawn the same. Fortunately, we just watched the first one. 
and we know that they are supposed to be the same, so we just accept this. It actually took me multiple times of seeing them before I realized that the reason they keep panning back to those two specific guests is because they're the stepsisters. Wow, okay. You just lost the points you gained by taking better notes than me. I, I did notate that they are the stepsisters, but I did have to do it by going back into my notes and fixing what I had written, which was random women again. Okay. So the stepsisters are arguing with one another, one of them saying, he bowed to me. No, he bowed to me. And then he bows to somebody and my note says, okay, I guess this is supposed to be Cinderella. She looks completely different. She is now... Okay, wait, you missed how the prince arrives on the scene. I don't have that in my notes. Oh my god, Liv! <laughs> don't. <laughs> so a bunch of guards walk in, and a servant in a wide wig just announces, The prince! A red carpet is rolled out, and on, its, on the last like curl of it unfolding, the prince pops out of it with a flourish. He was in the carpet, Liv. If you say so. He I must... shook a carpet and the prince fell out of it. So that's the second appears from a carpet prince thing that we've had, because that happened yes. in the Mae West one too. The prince starts bowing to everyone and his hat keeps sliding forward and the feather is like completely in his face. He's also constantly smiling with his entire mouth open, just very kind of dopey looking. Yes. Not as um, aggressively clownish as some of that we have seen, but definitely goofy. Yes. So he looks up and he looks like he has seen something and he starts walking in that direction. So that's when we pan to the two stepsisters again. And the first one is like, why he looked at me? And the other one's like, I beg your pardon. And the first one is like, well, we shall see here he comes now. And they do this coy thing where they cover their faces with fans and they curtsy. And the prince just keeps walking right between them with the smile still fixed on his face. He also walks like he's never walked before, or like both his legs are asleep, and there's a lot of just noodly swaying things happening. <laughs> and then he stops right in front of Cinderella, who looks mostly like Cinderella from the previous half of the cartoon. I, I beg to differ. I beg I said to differ. mostly. I mean, she's still white with blonde hair, if that's what you mean. That is what I mean, yes. Okay, then sure, she looks mostly like Cinderella. <laughs> so he stops in front of her and puffs up his chest manually by lifting it up with his hands, and then it kind of drops back down his torso into, like, a paunch stomach situation, and then everything settles back out, so he may or may not be made entirely of rubber. Did we watch the same movie? Yes, but I watched it three times. Wow. I, wow. My note says in all caps, by the way, is he made of putty inside a prince suit? That would explain the walk. Okay. Cinderella's dress is different in this one, by the way. It is still blue, but it's actually pretty. It has flounces and stuff. It's actually nice. It's not bad. And her hair is like blonder somehow. It's yellower rather than being just like pale, and it's also done up in a different style that looks pretty. And she's also animated with, you know, human proportions instead of being a stick person. Yes. So, definitely an improvement. A lot has happened on that car ride. Yeah. That took a year. Yeah. Oh man, do you think she did a road trip? 
Oh, that would be so nice. Oh, I hope she did. And she got to like eat a lot more than she did before. Yes. And she got to pick out her own dress instead yes. of like one that oh. some animals made and some gnomes. Yeah. Who only cared about cars. God, I want, okay. Mm, I want that. <laughs> That's what I'm changing about this movie. Okay. So uh, at this point, we get a bit of a twist because the red stepsister says to the dark stepsister, Cinderella must be home by midnight. Or she'll lose her gown, her slippers, her coach, everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Talon and I went, excuse me? How does she know that? No one said that. What does she know that we don't know? What? What's happening? And this is followed up by an even wilder line from the other stepsister, which is, if we could only stop the hussy. Yeah. Okay, so the stepsisters now also look completely different. The red-haired stepsister looks like half-ridden bread dough, just like kind of puffy and squishy. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And she's wearing green. The dark-haired stepsister is wearing purple. She looks like a cucumber that's starting to go off, just like a melty cucumber. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the red-haired stepsister responds to this crazy line with, I've got it, the old witch in the forest. (laughs) And the dark-haired one goes, that's it, the witch. And they tiptoe away. My notes say at this point, okay, why not? I'm no longer using all caps. I have given up. Um, I have accepted my fate. And this is just happening to us now. Yeah. By the way, my note says that the, the prince in this one is dressed like Cinderella from the Czech winter Cinderella. Yeah. Like he, he looks like just like her like he's got boobs and a small waist and a little hair and a hat it's a very floppy hat yeah he's not doing a great job of keeping his head up so the prince snaps his fingers and says on with the dance and the band starts playing classical music again and the dance is literally they hold hands raise them above their head put them down and bow and curtsy and then repeat nothing else this is after they've already curtsied and bowed to each other at meeting each other. And then when the scene changes, they're coming out of a curtsy and bow. And then they start dancing, which also involves a curtsy and a bow. The animators figured out how to animate that one motion. And we're like, this looks like dancing. This is close enough, right? Close enough. You know what they didn't do? They didn't zoom around to try to make it look more like dancing. And I appreciated that. They didn't try panning in and out to confuse us and make us dizzy. Nope. They also didn't flip it from one side to another like that. So, hey, if all you can do is bow and curtsy, fine. Just, that's okay. Know your limits. You know what? It's not much, but it's an honest day's work. Yep. (laughs) So we cut to the forest where the gnome and the cricket are hiding behind a tree. And we see an evil witch cackling. In a cave. In a cave. Is she in a cave? I thought she was in a forest. She's in the cave in a forest, and the gnome and cricket are hiding behind a stone pillar, actually. They're hiding behind a tree because she's outside in the forest because there's trees over her. Whatever. She's in a spooky locale. She has gray skin and is hunched over with long, dark robes and stringy hair and a big nose, and she looks like the evil witch from Snow White, but with dark hair instead of gray hair. She's also cackling, I'll stop that coach. And yeah. I 100% believe that the stepsisters and the witch have known each other for an extended period of time, and they're all on good terms with each other, and I feel like this all checks out. 
do you think they were all part of the same sorority? Yes. Like they were pledged sisters? Well, you know what I think is actually the case? What? Uh, this is what happens when you fail out of the Fairy Godmother Academy. Oh, we haven't even discussed the ramifications of what happens if you fail out of like the Fae doctoral program. I bet yeah. you do become like a disillusioned witch in the woods. Yeah. I'm going to have to think about that. Uh, so the witch also likes poetry. And oh, she sure does. And she exclaims, my minions, take flight to torment. And an evil ghost comes out of the cauldron and it has giant teeth. And then more of them come out. And this just keeps happening as she stirs the cauldron and chants, I'm always in an ugly mood. I love to poison people's food. I'm bad, as you may well conclude. I even hate myself. And then she punches herself in the face. Yeah. I loved it. Me too. So this one, I actually have a lot of her poetry. Oh, excellent. Please. Uh, so one, my first note is about her cauldron, which is really realistically done. Like it's glowing red on the bottom. It looks really heavy, <laughs> like it's cast iron. I really like this cauldron. This cauldron I would like to have as part of my kitchen. And the first thing that she says to us is, in my cauldron, I brew lots of woe. I'm known for my witchcraft wherever I go. My note says that she then sprinkles petals into it. And then she does say the minions take flight to torment the travelers who ride in the night. The smoke that's rising from this cauldron turns into a frog demon lizard thing. It yes. shrieks. And my notes go, it's a ghoul or a ghost or something. Oh, it's a catfish. Sure, sure. Of course it's a catfish. It's and a it, catfish? It looks, it looks like a catfish. Or like the walrus from the St. James Infirmary Betty Boop. Oh. There's like a haunted walrus ghost. Okay. I, I do kind of see it. Cab Calloway sings uh, either Minnie the Moocher or St. James Infirmary. It's one of those where he, he's a walrus ghost. It looks like a walrus ghost, guys. I don't, I don't have better words. Anyways, it laughs and flies away. So after the witch, again, punches herself in the face while cackling, my notes go into all caps there. The gnome just sort of shakes its head sadly and clucks like, tisk tisk. He then faces directly at the camera, which I hate and yes. would prefer cartoons never did. Mm -hmm. And then he does like a little poem also to counteract the witch's poem. They're in a rap battle, but the witch doesn't know it. Nope. He still has the same child voice, by the way. Still a toddler. If you were thinking yeah. it was voiced by an adult, it is not. Yeah, that's the one like continuity through line that they're really dedicated to. Yeah. So the gnome was like, but we spread happiness each day as we go on our merry way. Then he does like a little jogging pantomime and the evil ghost floats across the screen. And he goes, we help to make this life more gay. We love everything except that. And the evil ghost brushes its tail down the back of the cricket horse animal who neighs and shivers. And then they ride off. Um, and this time we do get a background. And it's a forest. Yeah, that is exactly what happened. That is exactly what my notes say, too. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. The cricket comes to a screeching halt, so the gnome can make a phone call on a flower with a trumpet and use a daisy as the dial, like an old rotary phone, because this was the 30s, and I guess those weren't old then. Those were just phones. Okay. I thought the flower rotary thing was really cute, actually. I made a note of that, too. Me, too. I've I've seen it before. It's it's a like it's not 
it's not super creative, but it is cute every time I see it. I like it. Yeah, I'm not mad about it. However, he gets sent to a rabbit phone operator. And at this point, I stopped having fun. The rabbit is wearing a pink dress. She has very red lipstick and is aggressively chewing bubblegum. She is doing the thing where the phone operator is making a personal phone call instead of doing her job. And this phone call, she's talking to one of her rabbit friends, I suppose. And she says, say, Mamie, who's taking you to the Haas and Pfeffer hop? Haas and Pfeffer means rabbit soup uh, in German. <gasps> I don't know. No. It does, because we used to have a rabbit at my house, and it was bad. It chewed up all of our, like, electric cords and carpet, and we used to yell Hassenpfeffer at it when it did that to try to instill fear and make it not do that. It didn't work. We just learned how to rewire everything. Um, Is this uh, Attila the Bun? No, this was Sweet Pea. I had a rabbit named Sweet Pea, and now we have a dog named Sweet Pea, and Mom calls me Sweet Pea. I don't think she likes new names. My husband refers to me as Sweet Pea. And I had to explain to him why I had such a visceral reaction to that. (laughs) The reaction being like, are you calling me stupid? Because in the past, Liv has also called me by her dog's names. And it has always been in moments of extreme frustration. I choose to interpret that as my brain cannot fathom the concept of being annoyed or irritated or frustrated with you. And so it just deleted your name and inserted the thing that I'm usually annoyed at, which is my dog. So that's how I'm choosing to spin that. You know what? That's really working for me and you've convinced me. Thank you. Fantastic. Okay. So we cut back to a rabbit operator. Sorry. Oh, God. And (laughs) you don't get away. You can't escape. No one can escape. You're stuck here. Uh, Who's saying, say, Mamie, who's taking you to the Haas and Pfeffer hop? What? That cheap, nervous lizard? And she pulls her gum out of her mouth in a long string, and the phone call is incoming. It's buzzing. She ignores it. Uh, She has really aggressive eyelashes, too. They're just, they're huge. And she continues. She goes, Buck's taking me, and can that bunny strut? Woo, woo, kid. He's the carrots. Hold on, dearie. Wait till I get rid of this pest. And she goes to answer the phone. She gets the gum all tangled up with the phone cables and finally gets it all plugged in properly and says, What's eating you, buddy? Where's the fire? I love her. I only wish the best for her. I support her and her job habits, and I think everything she does is correct, and uh, she has never done anything wrong in her life. Okay. We have different feelings about this rabbit phone operator, but that's okay. So there's a woodland messenger service Mm -hmm. with a bird and possibly a spider just kind of hanging out, and there appears to be a desk shaped like a corn cob, or it's a corn cob and there is no desk. There's just a corn cob. The corn cob will turn out to be the typewriter. Yes, but it is the size of a desk, proportionally, and they're sitting behind it. Yes, it is confusing. So the flower rings like a bell, and one of the Woodland Messenger Service guys picks up the phone, and starts operating the corn typewriter with his feet, which explains the giant piece of paper in front of it. He kicks the sleeping bird. The bird flies with the message toward the castle from earlier, which is now like spooky nighttime evil castle. Mm -hmm. And then we're back inside of the castle, in which the prince is on one knee in front of Cinderella, doing a flourish with his hat. And he bows again, because that is the only thing they do together. Yep. 
but Cinderella's hands are clasped together in front of her chest and she looks pretty into it. When the bird flies in and holds up the note to Cinderella, the prince is looking down at the floor and has missed this entirely. Mm -hmm. uh, the note is very cryptic. It says, the hour grows late. Get home before the stroke of 12 or all is lost. Signed, your friend Chief Gnome, which is how we know that his name is Chief Gnome and not just Santa Claus elf gnome guy. Yep. So the bird flies away before the prince finishes bowing, and as he raises his head again, Cinderella books it in a flurry of movement, and as she runs past him, her shoe kind of flings itself into the prince's hand from her foot. He's still on one knee, he looks surprised, and I'm just relieved that finally he has a new facial expression. So next we go to the car. Cinderella's running to her car, which no longer has a driver. She will be locomoting herself home because she is a modern independent woman. Do you hear me? I actually really like that. Me too. There are two ghost catfish walrus ghoul things uh -huh. at her car. They're very large. They're about half the size of her car. My note just says that they are pelvically thrusting at it emphatically. Do you have a better description? <laughs> my notes say the evil ghosts are dot 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 breaking the car question mark question mark question mark somehow question mark question mark question mark with their hips yeah yeah okay good good <laughs> so Cinderella just runs through them though because they are invisible ghosts and just drives away and the one in the front gets knocked over and then Pluto the dog comes out <gasps> that's exactly what my note says yeah just barking and towing the prince. But Pluto the dog stops short at the sight of the ghost walruses because he's rightfully afraid of them. And they make mean faces at the dog, who whimpers and cowers, but he is a good boy. So he barks at them and leaps for them, but they vanish. He and the prince both hit a wall. They do, yes. The prince then gives the dog the shoe to sniff. And the dog like props his head on his paw and thinks about it for a minute, sniffs again. And then he's got something. Uh, but instead of following the prince and the dog, we are now back at the cave. With our witch friend, who now has several glass bottle potions next to her. She is continuing with her rap battle that she doesn't know anybody else is having with her. <laughs> she says, well, I'll show her. I'm only happy when I'm spreading gloom. My goal is destruction and ultimate doom. There, my pretty one, you won't fail me. And she cackles. The stepsisters are still there, by the way. They are yes. in the clearing behind her. Yes. And another really big ghost, which is bigger and ghostier, I guess, floats up and takes a big breath and says, boo, and scares an owl. And then it starts swimming through the air, like doing the breaststroke through the air. Yes. Mm -hmm. And starts Horizontally, knocking. not vertically. Yes. Sorry. Good distinction. And starts knocking trees down as he goes. Just so, pulling them out with his hands on either side of the road that yeah. he's swimming over. Yeah, we were very confused. Cinderella is behind him, as are the stepsisters in their carriage, even though we literally just saw them in the clearing. And we just watched the car for a while. We can't really see anything other than the car moving. And then we see the stepsisters' carriage, at which point I realize, oh, the car was driving smoothly over the logs. The stepsister's carriage just getting all bounced and bumpy because it doesn't have a good undercarriage. Shocks? Shocks? Shock absorbers? Like it's all, it's bad. Yeah. 
So we watched the stepsisters inside get all bounced around and tumbled and banged around, and it's very funny. And the car is fine. We spend so much time looking at a black car driving in the dark. <laughs> but there's so little happening visually. And I just have in my notes more car driving, a lot more. Gotta sell the goods. Okay, but it's it's not just black on black. It's a dark sky with trees and wind and rain and headlights that are glowing and the sort of warm interior glow of the car with this woman just very chilly and coolly riding through a tempest. And as it a picture, so long. Yeah, as an animation, it's terrible. As a single image, pretty good. Oh, it's a very striking image, but how long can you look at a black car driving straight across the screen on a dark night? Yeah, that's, that's On fair. a road that never moves or shifts or turns. But, but good news. Is it? We, yeah, we get to go back to the witch again. <laughs> yeah, who's, who goes, well, here's something that will stop her. Wind, lightning, thunder, and rain. And she's pouring ingredients into the cauldron, which is making little mushroom clouds of smoke. Mm -hmm. The wind is howling. The wind is just shrieking. And the witch repeats her first chorus of, I'm always in an ugly mood. I love to poison people's food. I'm bad, as you may well conclude. I even hate myself. And as she says this, the giantest smoke fish walrus ghost monster has been growing out of the cauldron. And it punches her into the cauldron, which she goes into head first, and her feet kick in the air as she is presumably boiled alive in this very hot cauldron of metal and iron. And the smoke demon laughs a big belly laugh. Um, at this point, the gnome is wiping away a tear. The cricket also cries. Oh, is that what was happening? Yes. Okay, because my note says... The gnome rubs one eye like, what is that? Weird. No, Liv, it's, it's human emotion. Look, it didn't register, okay? The weird animated frog face child Santa Claus gnome thing did not animate that emotion well. I, I missed it. So then the gnome gets on his knees and begins to pray to the Lord of all gnomes. Yes, he does. And he goes, dear lord of all gnomes. And then he sees that his cricket is like offended not to be included and is also like very worked up about this. So then he clarifies, dear lord of all gnomes and horse hoppers too. Horse hoppers. Please. Horse hoppers. I am so sorry. Horse hoppers. My oh, notes yeah. go into all caps and just stop for a while. Oh yeah. I, I am delighted with the word horse hopper. I am not. I was I so like mad that. that I became happy about it. <laughs> it went all the way around. Sorry, continue with this horse hopper prayer. Um, please hear this prayer we send to you. And the grasshopper is now also praying with both sets of hands pressed together. Won't you try with all your might to keep Cinderella safe tonight? And a wind starts blowing and knocking the gnome over. And then he repeats his like spreading happiness rhyme. And he goes, we love everything. And lightning strikes and he barely jumps out of the way. And he goes, except that. Yeah. The big angry ghost, the biggest angriest ghost, <laughs> is now mostly a cloud, mm -hmm. possibly beating his chest. And he starts blowing wind and there's lightning bolts. 
Mm -hmm. uh, we get more night car shots mm -hmm. and things try to hit it or it hits things, uh, possibly ghosts, but the car just keeps going. It is the wind failing to blow the car off the road at this point. Oh, I see. That's what that was. Thank you. It wasn't clear at all. There's a lot of invisible, semi-invisible stuff happening, and it's very confusing what is and isn't a ghost. Well, it's, so we know that it's wind, not because anything happens to the car. And again, I think this would work a lot better if they shot this in the other order, where we see what happens to the stepsister's carriage, so that we would know what was supposed to be happening. Yes. Because uh, the entire point is that the car is unaffected. Yeah, which means that if you see the car being unaffected first, you don't know what's supposed to be affecting it anyways. So the point is that the road is really muddy and it's blowing really hard. And we watch the stepsister's carriage move more and more slowly as the horse is unable to pull into the wind. We also watch the prince and the dog who are still scent hounding Cinderella's shoe, leaning forward at like a 30 degree angle into this wind, trying to walk forward and failing. The dog gets blown back and the prince does a somersault in midair and then lands on his face. He's also holding his hat down to his head the entire time. Yeah. The smoke demon scowls, gets a bright idea, and gets some lightning, but he doesn't throw it. And then he gets an ice cube tray and eats all the ice cubes and spitballs them at Cinderella. We're now listening to the Hall of the Mountain King, by the way, which delighted me to no end. I'm so sorry. I have to interject. You say he gets an ice cube tray. He pulls it out of his own person. Okay. I... He, like, he reaches within himself. <laughs> And pulls out a tray of ice cubes. Talon, I like to believe that we contain multitudes, and part of that multitudes is an ice cube machine. I'm just, if he already has the ice cubes inside of him, like, why does he need to get them and then ingest them again? Well, clearly they were not in a stomach or a mouth or esophageal part. They were in, like, a hip bone or a butt or something, and he needed to get them. I hate to, this. To I, hate, I hate this. Part of his face. <laughs> Sorry, okay. So he spells the ice cubes at her, and the ice cubes go through her little open window side thing and right back out. They fly past Cinderella's face, bounce off the interior of the driver's side door, and are flung right back out through the open passenger window at the cloud. And they hit the cloud, like the evil ghost cloud, uh, who starts crying yep. like a lot which makes rain. Uh -huh. And then we get to watch the car driving in the dark through rain. Mm -hmm. The car is fine. The carriage is at a standstill now, and tons and tons of water are getting thrown into the coachman of the carriage. And the coachman is getting thrown back and forth to the front of the coach, and then the back of the coach, and it's, it's pretty funny. And then the coach breaks apart in the middle, leaving the stepsisters stranded in the pouring rain. Liv, you missed the worst thing that happens in this movie. What did I miss? One of the footmen is sitting at the end of the carriage, and he has his arms folded, and he looks like weirdly smug. And then as the wind blows, his shirt and pants start riding either up or getting smaller, and he's just very scantily clad because of it. I don't believe I even noticed that the first time, so I think I can be forgiven for forgetting that after two weeks has passed. His, his clothes are just sucked into his body. Which is not the first time we've seen that happen to a servant in a Cinderella, but every time it happens, I'm deeply upset. Well, it hasn't happened three times. It doesn't go on the list until it's happened three times. So, fingers crossed that it will never happen again. Okay. So we get a close-up of the dog's face now as he is plodding through the mud, sniffing the ground, 
And then we cut back to the stepsisters who pick up the coach like their horses and have to pull it home themselves. The footman is still sitting imperiously behind it and they're playing the song of the Volga Boatmen. I screamed. I was so happy. I know this song as the sad Russian happy birthday song. <laughs> it's a dirge. It's, it's a dirge. It's a dirge. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I only know it as a sad happy birthday song. Because at camp we used to sing, happy birthday. <sighs> happy birthday. One day closer to death. Like Incredible. Yeah. This was a camp for adults, by the way, guys. This wasn't a camp for children. This was an adult camp. There are verses about killing the sheep and destruction everywhere. It's it's very Russian. Hmm. I have it in a folk song book downstairs. I had to go downstairs to my piano and get my Russian folk song music book and be like, what is the name of that song? I know it's not called the Angry Russian Happy Birthday Song. <laughs> Sorry. Back to the Cinderella. So... <laughs> So then we see a village, and there's a clock tower, and it's chiming, and Cinderella drives up to the front door of her house and runs into the house, but we stay outside with the car Mm -hmm. for a very long moment. Mm -hmm. And then we're back in the forest, and it's very dark, and woodland critters are running around, and then gets lighter, and happy music plays, and the dog comes into view, growling and scaring off a rabbit. The dog and the prince are slogging, and they're both very tired, and they're buckling with every step, just dragging themselves. And then the dog smells something and gets energetic, and they're in front of Cinderella's house, immediately out of the woods, even though there was a village there before. And also, the car drove there, so there was a road, too. But that's fine. fine. I I like to think that they were just lost in Cinderella's backyard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's undoubtedly what happened. But... Uh, the dog is so excited about the scent that he's caught that he gets his nose stuck under the car wheel and can't get it out for a while. And it's a very uncomfortable couple of seconds of tugging on a dog whose nose stretches as it's stuck under a car tire. And I hated that. Yep. But it's done then. It's finished. The dog gets out. It's fine. And we go inside and the prince is kneeling at Cinderella's feet. Both of the shoes are already on her feet. We've skipped the shoe montage to watch the dog be stuck under a car. Oh, yes. And says, as I was saying last night, Cinderella, will you marry me? And she says, I'm sorry, your highness. I can't. I was very surprised. He was also surprised. I was, everyone was surprised. She explains, I have no dowry. And the prince goes, but what more dowry could I wish for than you, my love? And that coach. And he points and they both get very creepy grins. Just very, hmm didn't like those smiles those were bad smiles they animated their faces so much oh it's i literally have a note about this as well it was just deeply Mm off-putting so there's trumpets and the prince and cinderella admire the car some more outside they get in cinderella gets in first so i think she's actually behind the wheel again which i found very charming no she's not he hands her into the passenger side yeah really yeah Yeah, because later we see them driving away and she's got her head resting on his shoulder as he drives away. Oh. But he does open the door for her and hand her in, which is a very sweet move. So I'm fine with that. Also, she just drove home all night through like a pretty severe thunderstorm. I'm pretty sure she doesn't need to do any more driving. No, no, it's fine. I just like the idea that the prince is like totally chill about the fact that he has no idea how to operate a car and that, and is just comfortable with Cinderella knowing how to. 
I like that universe more than this one, but unfortunately, we're here. So the stepsisters are now in front of the house. The one with the dark hair is pulling her along, the redheaded one who's passed out. She's holding her up around the waist, kind of like in a fireman carry. Mm -hmm. So her head and her feet are both dragging on the ground. She drops her, wails, trips over the other stepsister and falls on top of her. And the footman is still sitting on top of the carriage bit that's left. It's basically just a stick with a seat on it that he rides like a very tall unicycle. And he just bikes around the stepsisters for a while. And then we see the back of the car, the license plate of which says love, by the way. Missed that. Okay. And the gnome and the grasshopper are sitting on the trunk and the gnome is giggling. The gnome is laughing maniacally. The gnome is cackling. It's just, it's not a cheerful giggle, just in case our listeners were thinking of a cute, like, tee-hee? No, this is an evil laugh. I did not recall that. I'm going to go with giggling. My notes are very makes specific. Me feel, <laughs> makes me feel better. <laughs> That's fine. So the dog pops up in the back seat and smiles at the gnome and the grasshopper, and then pulls down the curtain barrier thing that blocks the view of the interior of the car for privacy? Uh, Question mark? Yeah, I have slyly rolls up the dot, dot, dot window shade, question mark, question mark, because I'm pretty sure that um, rear view windows don't have curtains. Otherwise, why would you put a window there? You need that to see what's behind you because cars go backwards sometimes and you need to look out of the window, which shouldn't have a shade in front of it. Well, it was the 1930s. There's probably like two other cars on the road. I'll accept it. That's fine. We're almost done. So then we get the coach for Cinderella song from the beginning. And then the grasshopper grabs the gnome and kisses him. And then it says the end. And there's the Chevrolet symbol right beneath it. Sorry. The horse hopper picks up the gnome and kisses him and then licks him. And we end with the poem. There they go on their merry way, starting a life so bright and gay. They'll live on, you'll surely say, in a coach for Cinderella. And then we get the Chevrolet logo, and then we see a jam jandy picture, and then we're done. We're finished. And we're done with this commercial. We're done with this whole thing. We are finished. Which is now an excellent time to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Chevrolet. <laughs> do you do you need a car? Would you love it if it was made out of forest creatures? Oh yes, <laughs> but that's dark. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry, we don't have a sponsor anymore. We've just found out. So, I guess this is where we do highs and lows. I guess. How would you answer that question? Uh, so, I, I really like the stuff with the witch. Me too. So, anytime the witch appears in general, I really liked. And I really, really liked her little poem about being, like, so mean and terrible and even hating herself. And the first time it happened... I was delighted. And she like punched herself in the face and I was like, this is great. This is my top. Uh, but then she recites the poem again. And I was like, is she going to do it again? Is she going to punch herself in the face again? And they did the same joke, but with her falling into the cauldron because the ghost punches her. And I like that even more somehow. So just both of those slapstick moments are my high. Yep. My low is the excruciatingly long scene 
of the dog getting its nose pinched under the car wheel mm. and stretching out and pulling mm. and tugging and it's elastic and yeah. then there's like a rebound and he hits the car again and he pulls again it goes yeah. on for so long oh, and i yeah. hated every millisecond of it agreed agreed i can find no fault with any of that yeah so love what are your highs and lows well again i also love the witch specifically not the I'm evil and I poison people's food line. But the, um, my goal is destruction and ultimate doom. That one. I'm only happy when I'm spreading gloom. My goal is destruction and ultimate doom. And I felt very spoken to. I felt like my future self <laughs> was speaking to me. Like, girl, it's okay. It's okay. This is fine. Just accept your fate. So I, I really liked that. If I had to pick a, a different one, I would say the music. The classical music throughout this was really fun. It was really thematically appropriate. And it provided a lot of in-jokes if you were familiar with the fact that that was the Flight of the Bumblebees or La Donna Mobile or the Hall of the Mountain King. So I had a great time with the music. The music was really good. I noted it multiple times. Yeah. My low also hated the dog scene. I really hated the bit in the first one where Cinderella just gets brutally beaten up off screen. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah, didn't like that. That is the most abuse that a Cinderella has had physically mm-hmm. and I hated it so and it came out of nowhere really fast that was within two minutes of starting the movie just ooh, okay so yeah that's a, that's a good one that's the dog one was also really good both of those were bad so what would you change about this movie <laughs> I mean it's it's incredibly obvious but like less car please I <laughs> I'm not interested in a car commercial. I wanted a Cinderella, and all of the story moments were really fun and really interesting. But just like all these long scenes of them building the car, of her driving the car, of things happening or not happening to the car, I wish that was condensed. How about you? Well, uh, I wish they had just switched the order of the car scenes, that they had shown what was happening to the stepsister's carriage and then what was happening to the car so we would know what was supposed to be not happening to the car. I was fine with all of the car antics in the first one. I thought those were highly entertaining. I was fine with all of the shenanigans in the second one because it had a very Betty Boop feel to me. And as previously mentioned in season one, I love Betty Boop. So I felt very warm and fuzzy for the evil catfish, walrus, monster, smoke ghost demon. And (laughs) it made me happy for reasons that I cannot explain and do not want to discuss. I would just switch the order of those scenes. So, do you think our listeners should watch this? Well, we've already cautioned them not to. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a lot of fun. I like the second part a little bit better than the first, just because it's weirder. Yeah, as a story, the second part is better. As, like, creative car gimmicky stuff, like the creativity of the car stuff, was really fun in the first one. I I had a really good time with the creativity of it. So yeah, again, we we've cautioned you about this, but it, if you can do so in a safe environment, you might give this a watch. It's it's kind of fun. Maybe have a spotter in the room. Yeah, have a spotter. Don't be alone. <laughs> so final grade for this movie, then I guess. Oh, this is tough because I feel like the two parts for me were really different. Yeah. Well, we did unfortunately combine this into one, so I'm gonna need you to pick a single grade. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with a C plus for the two of them combined. Okay. Because I feel like the first one was a little worse than the C, 
but the second one was a little better than the C, but the fact that it was all a car commercial kind of took out some points. So overall, C+. Plus. It, it's a very interesting experience. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this before. I don't know that I enjoyed it, but I'm glad I watched it. So what's your grade? B. I'm giving this one a B. It was fun. It was creative. I loved The Witch. I liked the weird catfish walrus ghost smoke demon monsters. I thought those were great. I loved the witch poetry. I thought the car part was creative for all that it lasted forever. I really liked the comeuppance of the stepsisters having to haul half a carriage home in like the freezing sleet and rain and mud. I thought that was a really nice comeuppance. Yeah, like that was a good comeuppance. I liked it. I liked that there was a dog and the prince did useful stuff to find Cinderella. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen like a prince successfully use the shoe for anything helpful. No, he's always just wandered around and either not used the shoe at all or her foot has happened to fit it. Having a dog smell the shoe and lead him to her was brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. It was the most sensible thing that's happened. It was crazy that it happened in a Chevrolet commercial, but whatever. Well, thanks for coming on this ride with us. Yep. Uh, but it's almost midnight. So uh, we're going to go. Mm-hmm. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you, so follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbidi-bobbidi bonus episodes, or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella, but with more adult questions, language, and beverages, join us in the Ever After Party at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. So live. What are we watching next week? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Alan. We're watching another animated thing next week. We're watching a full-length movie called The Magic Riddle from 1991. Hmm. I've been assured that it is a Cinderella. I am skeptical. It appears to be a smush-mush of a bunch of fairy tales, but mostly a Cinderella. It has, I think, 12 characters, but only three voice actors. So... I think it's going to be amazing. I think we're going to have, let me rephrase, I think I'm going to have a great time watching you suffer. Oh, okay. Well, let me just share something with you. When you started saying that we're going to watch another animated Cinderella, I had a moment of blind panic because I thought you were going to say, we're going to watch another Cinderella story. Oh, God, no. And I was like, no, we're done. No, we're, we're done. finished. <laughs> no more. No hard cut. We're, we're done. None. So, so after that, after I calmed down, <laughs> adrenaline spike, I feel very fine about this. I am I'm not phased. I am ready. How bad can it be? Oof. Okay. Well, with that thrown into the universe's face like a challenge, uh-huh. I guess. Until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after.